Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Hello, Brian. Uh, Hello, welcome, Chris. Welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, as you said. For those of you listening for the first time, the Greatest Games Podcast is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest games they were a part of. We don't put any limits on it. It could be their time as an assistant coach, a head coach, a B-team coach, a CYO coach, and it doesn't have to be a win or a loss or a championship game, whatever they want, just what they consider to be the greatest game. I'll tell you what, this, this podcast has been fantastic. We've had some great guests on, and I've learned a ton about New Jersey basketball, and hopefully everybody's learned a little bit about South Carolina basketball throughout this process. But let's go ahead and welcome in our guest for today, Coach John Santulli, who just completed his 13th season at Westwood High School, located in the township of Washington, New Jersey. Coach, welcome on in. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Well, we're, we're glad to have you, and uh, we're, we're familiar with Westwood basketball down here in Blythewood, South Carolina, so I'm excited to learn a little bit about Westwood High School and the township of Washington, New Jersey. Can y'all explain to me what a township is? <laughs> I, I don't know the difference between a township and a borough, or, but uh, but our school, we, we, have, we have two towns, the township of Washington and Westwood. It's a regional high school, but I, I don't know exactly what a township is as opposed to a borough. Westwood's a borough, and, and, and uh, township is, uh, Washington Township's a township. But all I know is all the kids go to Westwood High School. There you go. <laughs> Lots of cool, well, fancy names. I love it. Go, yeah, what you, what you got, Chris? Well, my brother teaches at Westwood High School. Oh, yeah. I thought most of Coach Santulli's players at some point or another. <laughs> they, love his, they love his brother. He's one of the most popular teachers in the school. Uh, he always tells me, he always reminds me that the school is in the township of Washington. <laughs> <laughs> we have a Washington township in New Jersey and a township of Washington. So figure that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Y'all are making my head hurt trying to think about that, trying to figure that out. So. Well, hey, hey, Southern boy, let's not, we've both been to Atlanta. There's 47 streets named Peachtree in Atlanta. That is true. That is true. That is true. And we've, we figured it out one street at a time. Always do. <laughs> Coach, why don't you give us uh, your coaching resume with the places you've coached and any, uh, you know, accolades or championships you've won in your time as a high school basketball coach. Well, yeah, right. Well, uh, not too much on the accolades, so I'll just talk about the resume because that one is long. The, the accolades list is short, but the resume, <laughs> now that I've been doing it 30 years, is a lot longer than I thought. Um, I guess I actually started my coaching career when I was a manager in, in, in college at St. Joe's University. I was a manager there for a couple of years. And um, my first actual paid coaching job was I was a freshman basketball coach at St. Joe's Prep while I was actually still in college. Um, helped out my buddy, my roommate, actually, that was a St. Joe's Prep grad. So that was my first paid job. And then um, right after I graduated, um, I actually started coaching college. Um, before I was coaching high school, I coached for 10 years at Caldwell College, which is now Caldwell University. Uh, I was an NAI school back then, and now we're in, say, Division II. Um, I did that for 10 years. Um, and then after that is when I went to Teaneck. Um, got, got out of the college gig. Um, it was a great job. Loved it. It was an absolute blast working with college kids. We were actually moving from the NAIA to Division II, but got married, had a kid. Um, 
you know, a lot of time on the road with a lot with very little money. Um, was actually assistant athletic director there at, at Caldwell for five of those years, but just uh, just started thinking about um, getting back and in, getting into high school, I should say, just from, you know from a lifestyle standpoint. And Teaneck High School, Chris, where your dad worked, uh, had an opening for an English teacher, and um, was actually after our our uh, preseason had started at Caldwell, took the English job um, with actually out without intention of coaching that year, but. Um, an opening came up at the last second. Curtis March, a legendary coach here in, in New Jersey, asked me to come on as his freshman coach. The, unfortunately, the freshman coach when I was there had some health issues, um, and I had gotten to know Curtis from recruiting a bunch of his players when I was at Caldwell. So I did the freshman thing for him for one year, then four years as his assistant coach, which was five years at what I think is the best public school, high school program in, in New Jersey, um, in Teaneck. And then after that, I became the head coach at Clifton High School for four years, and now I've been at Westwood for uh, for 13. And that's uh, you know I'm 52 years old. That's 30 years of coaching. I started coaching college when I was 22. Wow. What years were you a team head coach again? Oh man, I don't. I lose track of all the years. Let's see. I've been at Westwood for 13, and I was at Clifton for four before that. So whatever 2020 minus 17 is, I guess from 99 to 2003 or something like that. But I was there for the first state championship um, that we had. That was my first year there. With uh, Kasib and Marcel and them? Marcel and all them, yep. Which right. was an amazing team. I was yes. the coach you know, with them that year, which was, a, which was great. Um, and uh, then I was Curtis's varsity assistant for four years. And my last year there, again, I don't know the year, but that was the last uh, state championship with Willie Irick and with '04 with Willie Irick, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, and then I went from there to Clifton. Had some good teams there, at Teaneck for sure. Yeah, yeah that, the, awesome. those, yeah, those teams have made their way down to South Carolina. I've heard, I've heard all the way down here. I've heard how how good those teams were, and uh, they sound like they were loaded. Yeah, we were. We had some Teaneck. I mean. You know, Chris and I grew up in Bergen County, and I grew up watching Bergen County basketball, and I grew up in the town of Ridgewood, but I've had a connection to Teaneck since I was a little kid. Another legendary coach, John Maziata, was the head coach in, in Teaneck when I was a little kid, and he was one of my father's best friends. So I grew up on, on Teaneck basketball, watching great Teaneck players, uh, Tony Campbell and Gary Williams and guys like that, long before your time, Chris. Um, yeah, and, yeah, no, I, was, I grew up in Teaneck. Yep, yep. So you know those yeah. names. Yeah. yeah, the first teams I started to remember were the late 80s teams with John Prelew and Sam Rowe and those guys. Just player after player after player comes through Teaneck. It's amazing. And actually, Sam Rowe, Brian, went down and played at South Carolina for two years for George Felton. Oh, okay. Like 88, 89. I probably saw him play. That was, uh, yeah. that was my wheelhouse going to, going to games in Carolina Coliseum with Dad at that time. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome teams, awesome teams at Teaneck. Yeah, Coach Maz was great. Coach Maz, his last year was my freshman year of high school. Was his last year? Yep, he had great players as well. Unbelievable players. Tony Campbell to this day is probably the best high school player I I ever watched in person. He was just an unreal player. Ended up, you know, going to Ohio State. um, Playing the league for 10, 12 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he. I mean, for the Timberwolves, he. One of those years, he averaged around 20, 20 points a game for the for the Timberwolves. Yeah, when they were first starting out, the team first was starting yeah. out. Yep, yep. But he was just an unbelievable high school player. And I've seen a lot of 
a lot of good ones, but I think he was probably the best that I've certainly seen, like, you know, live, up close. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? That'll lead us to our first question. Since you saw Tony, but you didn't coach against him, right? I did. Well, I coached against Tony um, when he was a coach, not as a player. Oh, okay. My question is, who's the best player you ever coached against? Well, I'll tell you what, from my years in the NNJIL, that's, that's like a long list. Um, you know, when my first few years um, at Clifton um, were what I think were some of the best years of the NNJIL, um, you know, there were, you know, guys like uh, Biggs who went to Pitt, Inman from, you know, Biggs was at Bosco, he ended up going to Pitt, Inman J.R. Inman was at St. Joe's, and he was an incredible high school player um, at the time. And actually, that St. Joe's team was just an unbelievable team. They had Inman, who should have been an NBA player, was an NBA talent. They had three NFL players in their starting five. The two McCourties, McCourty yeah. brothers were on that team. And the, kid, and the guy, Junior Gillette, who played for the Saints. Um, Where did Inman wind up going to school? Rutgers? He went to Rutgers. He went to Rutgers. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Inman was a year or two ahead of um, LeBron in high school, but one of those big camps, um, whether it was ABCD or the one down, what was the one that was down by you guys? Adidas, I think, was down there by you for a bunch of years. Um, one of those summer camps. You know, one year LeBron came out of the week number one, and I think Inman came out of the week like number two. Now, he was a couple years ahead of LeBron, but he was, he was a ridiculous, ridiculous player. Um, and again, I could go on and on with the NNJL players. Um, Sean Banks was an incredible player at Bergen. You know, he was the he was the freshman of the year in the country at Memphis, playing for Calipari. Um, you know, the, he was yeah, Rose. He was on the Memphis team that we lost to. Were you there that year? Or were I don't you know if Cal- I was there. Yeah. When we lost to Memphis in the NCAA tournament. Oh yeah, no, was, I missed that. One. He was an incredible player. I mean, yeah, I believe. He was whatever they call it, newcomer of the year or fresh or freshman of the year in the country. Dick Vitale mm-hmm. presented him the award. Um, he was an amazing, amazing <clears throat> high school player. Um, but again, like Bashir Grimes from Kennedy, Rashad Bishop, who went down to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then well, but you know what else, Chris? I mean, the team that the first our first state championship team um, at Teaneck that we lost in the in the tournament of champions finals, um, mm-hmm. we were 30 and one or 31 and one, and we lost to Seton Hall prep. And with one of the Knight brothers, right? Yes. Brandon Knight was on that team and he won Marcus Tony L who went to Seton Hall. Tony L that team was loaded. Um, absolutely loaded. They had a, you know, a couple other D one guys, but Tony L and Brandon and uh, Brandon Knight, not Brevin, Brandon. Um, he was an amazing player as well. And he actually put the game away. For them, we were winning, and, and we kind of blew the lead at the end there. Um, but you know, if I had to, if I had to say one player, um, I think J.R. Inman was probably the most dominant at at the time when I was coaching against them from St. Joe's. Now you just one, just one quick follow up, Rose. You coach? Yeah. Did you coach Corey Raji? Come on, Chris. You, you should you should know you should know better than that. Um, uh, now, I usually follow the great players. I don't, I don't coach them. I came in the year after Corey graduated. Okay, that's uh, what I thought. I'm thinking of the years. Yeah, I actually coached against Corey in summer leagues when I was at Clifton. Um, but my predecessor, Frank Connolly, was 
too smart a man and too good a coach to leave while Corey was still there. Uh, so uh, um, when he uh, when he moved up to administration, I came in the year after Corey. Um, but he he was a great high school player. If I you know I probably would have listed him too if if I had the chance to coach against him. He was an unbelievable player. That was the player that uh, Coach Gaskin said was the best player he coached against. Brian. Uh, okay. Oh, I, oh, okay. I, okay. And that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, listen, he, for, you know, for Corey to play in the B, that was the BCSL American back then, which is a great league, Ryan, around us, but it's mostly made up of smaller schools. Um, and now it's, it's evolved into a division within our, within the big North. But, um, you know, Corey literally could have played at any, any school in the state and would have been their best player. Um, and, uh, you know, he stayed home at Westwood and his, his brother, BJ Raji played in the NFL. Um, he stayed home at Westwood too, um, which is kind of incredible. I have two, two athletes like that stay home, but yeah, Corey, Corey was a, I think he scored like something like 2,500 points in his career. He was, he was, uh, he was a hell of a player. Tell you what, that's a unbelievable list that you just ran through right there. I tell you what, that's yeah, they, it. <laughs> Some 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 great players, some names that I recognize, some names that I don't. Uh, but I tell you what, that, that was an impressive list. So now, Coach, I'll admit I've, I've known you for about going on about twenty two minutes now. It looks like so you seem like kind of a mild mannered, kind of a chill guy. So my question is around technical fouls. So do you remember your first technical foul? There's a chance that you've never gotten a technical foul here. So I'm asking this question. But... Why is Chris shaking his head back there? <laughs> um... I, uh, you know what? I, I do not remember my first technical foul. Um, I'm sure it was when I was at Clifton. Um, I, 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 I don't remember, you know, it might've been actually, um, I think we were playing Montclair high school, which was another great program in the old NNJIL. Um, the first one I can remember getting was given to me by a, a guy that was a great ref and was a friend of mine, Lou Rabatine, his name was. Um, awesome, one of the nicest people I've ever met. Really, really good ref. Um, and I just basically told him, Lou, I'm, I'm getting ready. Just, just get ready to give it to me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I don't know what I said, but he looked at me and he said, okay, I'll give you what you want. And he teed me up. I do. That's the first one I remember, uh, I remember getting. Um, how about the setup? A nice guy. He's a friend of yours. Great referee, and he still gave you a technical. How about uh, listen, that? <laughs> whatever, whatever I did, I, I you know whatever I said, I deserved it. But I do remember saying to him before I got it, "All right, Lou, get ready to team me up." That's that. <laughs> I don't remember what I said after that, but I do remember. I do remember saying that before he gave me the technical foul. <laughs> That's the first one I can remember getting. And I'll tell you what, Chris. I don't. This will be a surprise to you. I don't remember the last one I've gotten because it's been a few years, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I really don't remember the last technical foul I got. It's been a few, it's been quite a few years, at least three seasons, I think. So I'm pretty spot on with this. You, you seem relaxed. You seem, yeah, like I said, you, you seem chill. But yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we, we, as coaches, we've all got, you know, we've all got, uh, you know, different sides to us and we, you know, we, we try to give our players what they, uh, what they need, what our team, what, what it needs. And Chris was mentioned teaching. I'm, I'm about the most chill guy in the world when it comes to the classroom. Um, you know, I have a blast with my students. Um, and and uh, I show us sometimes a little bit of a different side of that on the basketball court. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coach, what, so you went from college to high school, which 
is always a, a different transition. I was there, a, and you worked at St. Joe's as a manager, so you saw, you know, high-level college basketball there and then coach at Caldwell. Was there a belief or a way of coaching that you had to change or adjust when you went from college to high school? Um, well, my boss at Caldwell won't appreciate this comment. Um, and, and when I left the college level, it was just a decision. And you got, you know, I know, Chris, that you've been at high-level programs. Um, you know, when I started out as a young coach, um, I did want to be a college coach. That was, that's, you know, what I wanted to be. Um, I was lucky enough to do it. For, for 10 years as an assistant coach and an assistant athletic director. But we were, we were building the program at Caldwell. And we had, very, like, we had very good players. I mean, when I got to Caldwell, it was only the second year that they even had men in, in the college. It was, an all, it was an all women's school for many, many years. It's a Catholic school. Um, and Mark Carino, who was an absolutely legendary uh, college basketball coach uh, here in New Jersey, I believe he has the second most wins in the history of college basketball for a New Jersey coach. I think he's second to Pete Carrill. Um, you know, we were building up the athletic program. Um, and again, we had really good players. But when I, I, when I went to Teaneck, uh, Chris, you know, it was a really hard decision. Um, it was, I knew it was a, a career, you know, changing decision. But I joked to Mark, I'm going to be coaching better players at Teaneck than we ever coached here <laughs> at Caldwell. You know, they're an NCAA Division II program now. Um, and they get really, really good players. But, again, we were kind of building it then. And Teaneck was – I mean, that first team I, I coached at Teaneck, I think we had three Division One players on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, in Adi, uh, Edwards, Marcel Williams, Kasib Powell. Um, and then we had a D1-type um, uh, football player. Um, Daryl Baldwin was on that team. And he was a crazy, crazy athlete. And we had a couple D1 kids that were on their way, working their way up through the ranks. So. Um, to answer to answer your question, I was coaching more talent at Teaneck than I, than I was at Caldwell, um, but uh, I you know I wouldn't say that 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 it was a, that it was a great change. I, I you know I learned I learned a ton uh, during my ten years at Caldwell. Kind of uh, Mark Carino, like I said, is a he's a legendary coach, and he's taught you know he taught me a ton that I carried over um, you know to Teaneck and. Um, and, you know, and Curtis was great about letting me do a lot on the, on the court when I was with him. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, anything, you know, as far as my approach or my beliefs changed. I mean, for me, as far as the X's and O's part of it, you know, it's purely, purely, purely about fundamentals, um, no matter, you know, from an X's and O's standpoint. So, you know, no matter what level, uh, you know, I've ever coached that again, Caldwell, even, you know, with the Teaneck guys. You know, we, you know, we, we, fo- we focused on the fundamentals. So from a purely basketball standpoint, you know, I wouldn't say, um, you know, that, I've, that I had to change or there were any major changes. And from a philosophical standpoint also, um, maybe the way the message is delivered is maybe a little, is, it's got to be different sometimes to high school kids. Um, but from a philosophical standpoint, as far as, you know, the things we want our players to be, um, for me, it's, 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 you know, it's been the same for 30 years. Well, you're, you're talking to a, a former student manager as well. Um, I, I was fortunate to be able to be around the University of South Carolina as a student manager. And um, I learned, I mean, I think there's more lessons that I learned that I'm not even aware of still as a 40-year-old. As a but you know, one of the lessons I learned was just to always be thinking ahead, be, be ahead of the coaches, always know, anticipate, know what's going on. So, 
was there a lesson or two that you remember being a student manager that you've been able to carry on through your coaching career up through, up through today? Uh, well, you know, the, the, the thing I learned and, and Brian, you probably learned it as a manager. And ironically enough, my son is a student manager right now at Villanova. Um, I learned very, very early. It's a 24 hour a day job, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, at any level, um, you know, as a student manager, you are on, you are on call 24 hours a day. Um, things were different back then. The rules were different back then, you know, but, um, you know, we, you know, as managers, we were given a decent amount of responsibility, whether it was, you know, someone wanted to shoot around at, you know, at midnight to get him into the gym, um, whether it was making sure um, at St. Joe's, we used, um, they used to have a coaching clinic um, every year, a preseason coaching clinic, which was a gr- you know, great opportunity um, uh, for us as, as managers. They would bring in different college coaches, Brian Calipari. Well, actually, it was Paul Evans, but Calipari was his assistant. He came with him, and that's where I actually met Calipari. But whether it was, you know, having to lock the gym up at four in the morning after after the coaches were all done with their pizza and their uh, their refreshments, uh, you know, I don't. It was so long ago, um, you know, co- being a part of, of as a manager at St. Joe's, um, and Phil Martelli was the assistant at the time. You know, wow. so I did learn some great drills and things like that. But I just remember. Like, ah, you know, this sounds fun. I want to be a manager. You know, I'll get to hang out with the players and get to go to the parties with the players. And <laughs> then I found out right away it was a thankless 24-hour-a-day job. And, um, you know, maybe – I don't know if that's changed too much for me as a, as a high school coach. It seems to be – you know, you're on call 24 hours a day, that's for sure. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, for me, it just grew that habit of just always answering the – Chris and I talk about it all the time, answering the bell. Just being, I got to answer the bell. Whatever I'm doing, I got to be there, ready to serve, ready to go. And you're right, it's thankless. And it was, for me, it was the time of my life to be, like you said, be around the players and around those coaches and traveling the country. It's just, it's an incredible experience. It was awesome. And you know what, you're right. You forget them and, you know, you forget the lessons you learn. And and as we're talking, you say that. And, you know, not only 24 hours a day, but, you know, selfless. You got to be completely selfless. You got to have no ego. You got to be willing to do, whatever they ask of you. And here we are as coaches, you know, I think all of us agree. One of the most important lessons we teach them is, you know, to be unselfish and to be selfless. And, mm-hmm. you know, just, just hearing you reflect on it reminds me of that, you know, again, like, you know, go, go bring, bring coaches, go pick up coaches, dry cleaning, you know, get in the car and, you know, take his car to get gas or whatever it was, <laughs> you know, and, and, and every job's got to be done perfectly. It doesn't matter right. what job it is, the smallest job in the world, it better be done perfectly. Um, when you're, when you're, a, you know, especially when you're the low man on the totem pole as a manager in the early years. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it just described your entire college experience. It, it, it left out a couple of details, walking the dog and every, some other things too. But yeah, it's a, yeah, it was, but it was, it was, it was the time of my life. Like I said, we, uh, there's a coach in our league that was actually, um, a manager. I'm sorry. He was a GA for Jay Wright when he was at Hofstra. I won't, I won't, I won't name the coach, but he's a, he's a great guy and he's a great coach. And, and I didn't realize until my son was at Villanova that he had been um, a, a GA with him. And I asked him, what, you know, what did you learn from Coach Wright as a GA? And he's like, he's like, John, Mike, I'd, I'd love to tell you all. I'd learned a lot about, I learned a lot of basketball stuff, but he said more than anything, I, I learned what an expensive suit looked like from all the times of driving his clothes back and forth to the dry cleaner. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so, but, it, but all of it's a great experience. That's right. 
That's right. Well, coach, this is the time of the show that we'd love to hear about your greatest game, the greatest game you've ever been a part of with, with as much background information as you can give us and why it's so special to you. Well, I hope you guys got a couple minutes. Like I said, I listened a little bit of coach Gaskin and, and his interview and, and, uh, he's a windbag. What's that? <laughs> a windbag Gaskin. Uh, he's like, I love listening. I love talking <laughs> to Chris and, it's funny, whenever we play each other, we sit down before the game starts at, you know, the 7 o'clock game, and he comes in with the JV at 5.30 or whatever. Right? We start talking, and, and then we both look at each other and say, oh, man, we got to go. <laughs> the game's about to start in 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, I, love, I love talking to him. But, um, you know, and it's interesting. He's been at one place, and I've been at a bunch of different places. So I, I took a minute to, th- to think about it, and uh, I'm going to name a few, and then I, I think I'll maybe focus on a couple that were, you know, just great games from the standpoint of the game and some unbelievable things. But um, when I was at, when I was at the first great, great, great game I ever remember being a part of when I was a manager at St. Joe's, um, we lost an overtime game to Villanova by a couple points in, in, in a building up here, Brian called the Palestra, oh, yeah. which is in Philly, which for me is the greatest college basketball building I've ever been in. I haven't, I, well, it's the greatest college basketball game ever. I've ever participated in a game and I've been to, I've been to Cameron and I've been in there and I was at a, um, what is it? Alumni, is it called Alumni or Assembly Hall in, in Indiana? But Assembly Hall Palestra, in Indiana. Yeah, but the Palestra is the greatest building I've ever been in. It's about the size of a high school gym and somehow they say 9,000 people <laughs> sitting there. And um, we lost an overtime game by two points to them. And again, for I was at St. Joe's and Villanova's our big rival. They call it the Holy War. It's a, it's a huge, huge rivalry, but that was a great game. I think it was Harold Jensen that killed us on a shot at the end. That was an unbelievable game. Um, I'm going to talk about a Teaneck game um, that Chris might remember when I was um, an assistant at Teaneck, my uh, assistant varsity coach, my last year. Uh, we actually won the state championship, but unlike most years, we didn't go in as a real high seed. Um, I, as a matter of fact, think we might have only played one home game which means we had to be a pretty low seed um, throughout but we ended up playing a team uh, Passaic Tech in what was the sectional finals um, and in Teaneck quite honestly we got to the sectional finals most years in Teaneck if you didn't win the sec- like for most programs around us Brian like to win a, a sectional championship is is you know a season maker and a career maker and Teaneck it's kind of like par for the course mm. Um, you know, we would get there just about every year, but this one particular year, we weren't expected to be there and we got to the finals and they had, um, a great player. Um, his last name was Bailey. I think his first name was Hashim, Hashim Bailey, who we were talking about Memphis before, uh, the key went to Memphis and played for Calipari at, at Memphis. He was a six ten kid. They called him big city. Remember big country from, uh, from Oklahoma state. Oh, yeah. he was from so they called this kid Big City. He was a 6'10 kid. And we had a kid named Willie Irick, who was the classic player for, like, my kind of player. He was about 6'6", but he was, like, your old-school classic post player. And, I, and, like, from a coaching standpoint, I love post players. It's kind of kind of a lost art. But Willie was an incredible player. And I just went, like, when I saw him, I, I, like, I just loved coaching him. So we made him into a great post player. And they had this kid, Big City. Again, I think his name was Hashim Bailey. And Willie – um, who was not a modest player by any means, was telling anyone. I can't imagine what Willie would say today if, if you know, it was social media because there was none back there. But Willie let everybody know he was the best player he ever met. And um, he, <laughs> just, he just told anyone that would listen that he was going to dunk on this kid, Hashim Bailey. Like, I, I, you know, 
I got one goal. I'm going to dunk over this kid, Hashim Bailey. And again, Willie was always talking, always talking. And, and the game was, uh, the sectional finals were played at neutral sites and the game was at Wayne Valley. And um, again, I think the say might've been the one of the two seed. Again, I don't remember what our seed was and we were always good, but this particular, we didn't have a great regular, se- regular season. And Willie, again, he just promised he was, he was going to dunk over Bailey. Well, it was about midway through the second quarter, and we got the ball to Willie in, inside, and he made one of your classic show-the-ball baseline, drop-step middle, take it back, and, you know, throw it down like hammer dunk. And he dunked it right over Hashim Bailey. And, Chris, I don't know if you remember this, but he tore the rim off the backboard, right off the backboard. Like dunked it over the kid and ripped the rim like Shaquille O'Neal style, right, right off the backboard, glass everywhere. Um, And uh, you know, so this is a high school game. There's no alternative, you know, there's no secondary basket to wheel out there. Right. Starts. There's big, you know, um, after they clean the court, we're like, what are we going to do? Again, I was just an assistant coach, but um, you know, I remember Curtis talking to their athletic director and our athletic director was there. And somehow it got to we were going to continue the game the next day at Passaic Tech. Um, now, again, the sectional final is supposed to be on a neutral court. Um, Curtis was screaming and yelling, saying, that's not fair. That's not fair. We got to find another neutral court. I don't know how they decided it, but um, they decided we're going to play at Passaic Tech. And, again, also in the sectional finals, basically you know, half the tickets are given to one team, half the tickets are, are, are given to the other. So they promised us that at Passaic Tech, they would save half the seats for our students. Um, now, so we, again, both teams got to go home, get on the bus. We, we were playing Passaic Tech the next day. They decided it was going to be an afternoon game because no matter who won, they were going to have to play the next day in, in, in uh, the, semif- the state semifinals because um, this was, you know, the next day was supposed to be an off day. So they decided they're going to play the game at 4 o'clock. Um, they were supposed to save half the seats for us we got to the gym and it was filled already. There was about 30 seats behind our bench that were left available um, for, for our students. Um, I don't remember what the score was at the time when, when the game stopped the night before, um, but I do know we won by about 20. Our kids were so fired up. Um, Curtis, like um, Chris knows Curtis a little bit. He had a way with words, that's for sure. And I don't remember exactly what he said in the locker room, but it was a short pregame speech. Actually, it was a mid-game speech at that point. And our kids just went out, and Willie and the rest of them absolutely, absolutely dominated Passaic Tech. Um, and, uh, again, basically on, on, on an away court. So that was, uh, that, was, that was the most memorable game just from the standpoint of the circumstances. We ended up winning two more games and winning the state. So that was probably the best game uh, you know, most, most interesting game I've ever been a part of. Chris, the one you mentioned when I was a head coach, you know, it's hard for me to talk about the, the sectional final at Newton. Chris, we lost that game. And Brian, we lost that game on a, well, a half court shot behind half court, sent it into overtime. Uh, we were winning by three. They threw up a prayer um, that banked in somehow. Um, and you know, what was incredible to me about that game, we ended up losing it, Brian, but, you know, you, our kids, you know, you, you think you're that close. And we were underdogs, too, that year um, to winning a state sectional championship. You, you would think that's it. We're deflated. We actually um, somehow battled and, and we tied it up at the buzzer in the first overtime. Um, 
And that sent in the second overtime. And by the time the game ended, um, I was down to about two starters, a bunch of kids fouled out. Hmm. So um, those are my, those are my two greatest games to memory. You know, one, one of them we won as an assistant coach and the one that we lost uh, to Newton in the sectional final. Again, like I said, I'm still not over it, but it was, uh, it was an, it was an unbelievable game with both teams, you know, at the buzzer uh, extending the game. And then we just, we just kind of ran out of steam in the end. Quick, quick side note, Brian, Curtis March, who he's mentioned a couple of times, the former Teaneck coach, uh-huh. uh, was, is a graduate of Dreer High School in Columbia, South Carolina. You're a kid. Uh, that's where he grew up. Grew up in Columbia. How about that? He went to school somewhere down there, too. I don't know if yeah, it's South Carolina. Yeah. I, I know what my dad's told me before, but, yeah, he went to Dreer High School. Is Benedictine okay. down by you guys? Benedictine University or Benedictine yes. College? It was Benedict, uh, Benedict College. Benedict, yeah. mm-hmm. Benedict College. I think, yeah. might, I think he might have. Uh, I think he might have played there in college. I'm not positive. Huh. So Dreer High School all the way up to Teaneck. That sounded like an incredible game. Uh, me as an AD, that's my worst nightmare for a backboard <laughs> to, to break. And it's like, what are we going to do? And to be able to go on the next day, it's the way you paint that picture. Is almost, it's it's hilarious to see. I, I got to see it in my head just this little section of. 30 seats, kids squeezing in there, and y'all to go out there and just and just put the work on them uh, in that what feels like the second half, but it's just another day of the rest of the game. That's and that's incredible. Right. Now, yeah, those, quite, I thought, I thought you, those circumstances would be an interesting thing for you guys. Yeah, to do. It, was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Very unique. So Willie dunks over the Bailey kid, right? The big big yep. city. Yep. Um, what kind of games does do each of those kids go on to have of that next day? Does Willie just continue to, to work him or is Bailey what, what's that what's that matchup like uh, uh oh the rest of the game you mean yeah with the, with those kids like does, does Willie just keep putting it on him or really dominated like he just he just dominated the kid and we dominated as a team we defended them they couldn't score um you know their guards couldn't handle our pressure uh, I couldn't tell you how many points Bailey scored I I can say this I, 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 again, it's, it's amazing because it's the same game, I re- but it's two different nights and two different gyms. I, I, I can answer it this way. I remember seeing a lot of him at Wayne Valley High School in the first quarter and a half. I can't tell you one thing about really the rest of the game at Passaic Tech. So mm-hmm. whatever happened, Willie did, you know, did a good job of neutralizing them. And, and, our, and, and again, I just remember we, we won going away, like late in the game. You know, it, it, it was our kids – you know, they got to win it and they got to, you know, know they had it won for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, it was, it was a really cool, cool atmosphere, cool situation. And that, again, just from a memorable standpoint, I'll, I'll never, you know, never forget that situation. Now, again, I know you said you don't remember all the circumstances, but it seems ludicrous to me that they couldn't have found another gym. Around. Yeah. It's not like there's a shortage of high schools around here. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I mean, it, it, things were so different, Chris, like back then, like, there's no, uh, there's no cell phones. There's no let's jump on, you know, and have a meeting. Their athletic director was there. They were the higher seed. We had, you know, again, the state semifinals, let's say that game was on a Wednesday night. The state semifinals have to be played on Friday. You can't change that date. Right. Um, you know, and again, I don't remember, like, because I'm standing with the kids. Curtis is at half court. The other head, their head coach is at half court. The two athletic directors are talking. He comes over and uh, tells us in colorful language that we're, that, 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 um, that we're going to Passaic Tech the next day um, at their place. Don't worry, we're going to have, you know, half the, half the stands will be safe. I don't know what our kids did, like our student section. I, 
our students went up there. They went up on buses and whatnot. I, you know, I, I don't know what they did. I guess they stood outside or whatever. Um, but again, there might have been 40, 50 seats for us. Um, we, again, we walked into the gym to play, and it was already filled. It was already filled. I got to ask my dad about that. I'm going to call him tomorrow. Yeah, he might have been like a site supervisor or came with us. Right, you know, he was probably there with, with uh, Van Saders and everybody. Yeah, because uh, Brian, Chris, Chris's dad was always uh, always around for all the different athletic events. Um, mm -hmm. He was heavily involved. And, uh, so I'll bet you he was there at that game that day. He got one of those couple seats. Yeah, he's. He probably did. He probably yeah, did. He angled himself in for one of those seats. Yep, yep. <laughs> that was that was a, that was a great game, and uh, one, one of many. It sounds incredible. I, I really want to get in touch with Willie, and I want to figure out what he would have tweeted pre-game, <laughs> after the backboard breaks, and then post-game. I just uh, we got we got to find Willie. You know. <laughs> well, right. Could you imagine the amount of views on social media that would have gotten a high school kid ripping a rim down? Oh, it would have been on ESPN that night. It would, yeah. it, it would have been. It would have been. Zion didn't ever break a backboard down there, did he, Brian? Ooh, not that I remember. Yeah, but I can't, I can't some, think of one. But he put plenty of down that probably yeah. loosened had, a screw or two. He had some opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, he was, he was he was a classic. He was a great, great you know, great. He 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 had a pretty good career at a. Um, he ended up going to NAI school. I think Oklahoma City was where he went. I don't even know mm -hmm. if they're still NAI now. But they went back there in the NAI. They they had a great um, NAI program, and that that's where uh, that's where he ended up. He had a, he had a really nice career there. Well, that is an awesome game to talk about. <laughs> that is definitely a great game. That's like you said, just the fact of playing the next night and. Listen, that, that, again, that Newton game that Coach Sidro talked about was incredible. But, you know, like if I talked about only that game, I might have ended up in tears here talking about it. So <laughs> I thought I'd you know, talk about one that, that, I, that I actually got to be on the winning end of. And certainly, like I said, just an unbelievable circumstances, which made it, you know, made it memorable. All right, Coach. So we like to close it out with this one final question. If I asked a, a kid that played for you, at Clifton in 2006, and I asked one of your kids from this year, what is something that Coach Santuli always says? A phrase or an instruction or a, could be a funny quip. What is something Coach Santuli says over and over again? <laughs> something I always say. Um, well, the last, the, the last thing they hear, you know, the, the last thing that since I've been a head coach, it's always been written on our, on our board. Um, on our scouting report board and the last thing they hear literally when we huddle it up when they go out in the court is have fun get it done we that's the last thing they hear all the time um you know i, I don't know if that's what they would say <laughs> that's what they would say is the most memorable thing that they've gotten from me um that's certainly that's the one thing that we say every single day um you know but uh great the, the term great teammate that's that's the that's the thing that they that they always hear Every, you know, every day, our goal is to be great teammates. Um, you know, I think that if they were, you know, if they were trying to talk about, a, you know, a, a daily theme, you know, that they've heard over and over and over again, whether it's practice or games, um, you know, the, they would talk about the term that we use. And that's not a fancy one. I, all coaches use that one. You know, don't complicate things. Be a great teammate. That's probably something they would mention. But um, the first thing we say is team together. The last thing we say is have fun, get it done. 
those are kind of our two little phrases, team together. I stole from, from John Chaney long, many, many years ago. Um, that was his little phrase. And uh, so we say that at the beginning of practice. Um, and then the last thing they hear from me when they go out is have fun, get it done. So um, I, I hope they'd mention those two things, but uh, you know, th those are some, and those are some phrases again, along with just be a great teammate that, that they've, that they hear from me all the time. That's awesome. Coach, I tell you what, it's been a, it's been a real pleasure to hear you tell, tell a story about that game and, and all, and all of your answers to our Q and a, and uh, it's been a real pleasure to have you on. Is there anything that you'd like to promote any social media, any ways that, fans can get in touch with you or anything that you'd like to share uh, with our, with our listening audience. You guys are lucky that, that I got on this, this, what are we on um, right now? Zoom or whatever it is. So when you ask about social media, you're talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> we, we do. I do have, uh, I guess we have a team Twitter account. Uh, I don't know what it is. Um, my assistant coach set it up, you know, so, you know, I, I struggle getting on huddle to watch game film, you know, these days. So, the <laughs> uh, only thing I would say is, you know, stay safe and to you guys. Thanks so much for having me, having me tonight. And the uh, only thing I would want anyone to hear from me or any of us is just hope everyone gets through this okay and everybody stays safe. Well, that, that sounds great to us, Coach. We just, again, they can't thank you enough for, for coming on. So for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I'm Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games. Mm -hmm.